playground. This is the one right across from my school. I want to come here. They think that just because they have so much money that it, they have the right that, oh, we can just tear it down and we can pay for it. They just want to make more houses and make more money. They don't care about other people. They must be stupid. I know deep down that as long as I am benefiting on the backs of my sisters and brothers of color, I am dying and I am sick. We downtown Cincinnati talking about why we want to keep this court so we can shoot some basketball. Well, we're trying to save the courts because people want to tear them down and build like luxury houses and I don't like it. You're hearing the voices of kids on a pair of basketball courts located across the street from Rothenburg Academy, an elementary and middle school in the northern portion of Cincinnati's Over the Rhine neighborhood. My mom has been living here for like over 30 years now. And the course has been here. And it makes me really mad because I basically grew up on the basketball court. Why y'all trying to tear the parts down, man? We trying to shoot some basketball, you know what I'm saying? These clips came to us from a video made by a group presenting themselves on Facebook and other social media as the Keep Our Courts movement. The two-minute video features lots of kids explaining why the city of Cincinnati should do just that, keep their basketball courts. Since its release in April of 2016, it's garnered some 12,000 views on Facebook alone. In today's episode, we speak with residents and professionals working in the neighborhood. From this community, we tried to learn why. Why exactly do we need to keep these courts? Layla Shakui has more on that story. I'm Josh Elstro, and this is Bellwether, where we lead by listening. Stay with us. The clips from this video are definitely cute. This shot at the end is a little girl in braids, maybe four or five years old, leaning up to the camera's boom mic as she sings. They stir up an emotional response whether you know what these kids are fighting for or not, but they don't do much to explain what they're fighting for. To figure that out, we needed to speak to some grown-ups. It's been going on for over a year. Uh, it was March of 2015. It landed at over the Ryan Community Council meeting. Jen Ahrens is the Community Education Coordinator at the Peasley Community Center, located just a few blocks away from the basketball courts. She's only been a Cincinnatian for a few short years, since earning her master's in sociology at George Washington University in 2014. Um, studied gentrification and studied race and class and gender issues. As soon as she took her position in Cincinnati, she hit the ground running, learning as much as she could about a messy land development deal that fell into her lap at a community council meeting. Uh, North Point came to ask for, you know, it's kind of standard developer path, they, the city makes you go to the community councils and ask for a letter of support. Mm -hmm. we, uh, like the board of trustees voted in support of their plan uh, and then put it to the full body. The full body voted uh, also in support of the plan initially. This sounds like a pretty cut and dry deal. The neighborhood trustees vote in favor. The full neighborhood body votes in favor. North Point, the private developer in question, has their requested support from the neighborhood. And then it was uh, brought to their attention that they didn't follow the bylaws that meeting on the vote. So it, the vote had to be retaken. Due to a clerical voting error, something that could have potentially been an open and shut case in one evening was suddenly a fight right out of an 80s movie, like The Goonies. No, 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 
don't remember or haven't seen the classic film, first of all, you need to. It's incredible. But more to the point, it's about a gang of kids who discover and follow a treasure map after finding out they're likely losing their homes to a group of land developers. This clip comes as their land is about to be signed over, and they think they've lost all the treasure, but suddenly discover they've managed to sneak out just enough to save their homes. The kids of Over the Rhine don't have a treasure map. What they do have is basketballs. So the following meeting was when a bunch of our kids designed that, like, silent protest, bouncing basketballs at the entrance of the community council meeting. On March 30th of 2015, 20 or so kids and families from Rothenberg's neighborhood stood outside the community council meeting as council members entered, silently bouncing basketballs and holding up signs of protest. It was one of our kids who's now 12 was like, I mean, they didn't come to ask us about how we felt about them taking our courts, so uh, we're going to bounce our balls in silent protest. So that community council vote, the kids spoke and definitely swayed some people on council. The basketballs seem to have done the trick to slow down this initial clash of developer versus community, but it wouldn't have happened without the support of adults. We also did some organizing to make sure people who uh, kind of knew the full deal on the issue were there and could vote. So uh, in that secondary real vote, uh, they, the, over the Rent Community Council opposed North Point's plan. Jen and others behind the cause are involved for a number of reasons, several of which go beyond just saving a few basketball courts. Most of this land stands as some of the oldest public-serving, public-owned land in Cincinnati, which is still owned by the city. It was donated in 1824 as a land trust to raise public funds to send local children to school. In fact, it is actually the first revenue on record that went into creating this public school system in Cincinnati. And so it stayed, entrusted to the city as a way to generate income and send Cincinnati's youth to public schools until the 1970s. At that time, the city officially took over ownership of the land. It was slated to be a recreation and playground area, which only developed so far as the few basketball courts that stand there now. This gives current ownership to the Cincinnati Recreation Commission, or CRC, who has a very important final say in any transfer of the land. Now, in order for North Point to get control of this land to make this development happen, uh-huh. CRC has to transfer the land either directly to North Point or I think to economic development and economic development brokers the deal. With that in mind, Jen and fellow community members began working to gain the ear of the CRC as well. Like, hey, here are kids who use your space that you own and operate and who love it and who are fighting for it and it's being threatened by this development, and they knew nothing about it. The neighborhood kids' small protests seemed to be what finally brought not just the disagreement, but the land deal itself onto the CRC's radar. The protest was moving, but not enough for the CRC to openly support Keep Our Courts. The interim director initially was like, oh yeah, I saw what the kids, because we took, I mean, the kids went to City Hall way back in September to testify to the Neighborhoods Committee, so the interim director at CRC had gotten wind of that and was like, that was really cool. But it's also, like, nobody wants to say that they have as much power as they do. Like, that's what's really challenging. It's like, oh, well, we don't want to give up the courts, but, you know, economic development folks really want to see this deal happen. And we don't want to be positioned so that we're standing in the way of economic development, which I think is weak as hell. I mean, you own the land, you have to transfer it for the deal to happen, and you've got community members who are fighting for it, and, like, you're you're not willing to say no. For Jen and other supporters of the movement, this is where the core of the issue lies. It's like, no, 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 like, <laughs> this is public land. This is public land that's used. Like, why are we even considering it? It should never yeah, have been right. on the chopping block in the first place. So, to me, it's non-negotiable. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have been offered to a private developer ever. And if that's the status quo, then it's like any piece of public rec land is just, what, up for grabs? Mm-hmm. It's just on... 
it's just potentially there for the taking for any developer who wants it. It's a ridiculous precedent to set. Not only does the deal threaten to put public land on the chopping block, it also continues a cycle of rapid real estate development that has swept through the historic over the Rhine neighborhood, raising rental rates and property values. North Point's development plan doesn't sound much different than what long-term residents have seen happen throughout the rest of the neighborhood. Uh, 21 plots that will be uh, single-family homes with like detached garage, like kind of suburban-style homes, three to five bedroom that would all be, they, their first estimates were $400,000 to $600,000. In the 2010 census, the neighborhood's median income was only $14,500 per household. Over the Rhine was also infamously declared the, quote, most dangerous neighborhood in the United States, end quote, as recently as 2009, based on a crime index study. For better or worse, the city's response to these issues, heightened by a series of riots back in 2001, has been strategic real estate development. In an attempt to appease concerns of displacing lower-income residents, developers use terms like workforce and mixed-income housing to help lobby for city funds. This deal includes such housing. The development also includes one building that already is standing that needs to be... uh, It's been... The city's put a lot of money into uh, securing it, um, but they are going to turn that into workforce housing. Uh, That's eight one-bedroom units that are about $950 a month. So how exactly do one-bedroom apartments that rent for $950 a month in a neighborhood with an average household income just over the poverty line get declared workforce or affordable housing? It comes from a simple formula the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development uses to determine eligibility for housing subsidies. So they calculate what's the median income in the area. You line up everyone in Hamilton County from the person who makes the least amount of income to the highest amount of income. You line them up in a line and you take the person who smacked the household and who smacked dab in the middle and they're your median income. So you measure everybody else against that median. So so anything that's under that middle, yeah. you could call affordable housing. So what North Point is putting forward when they say, oh, we're going to take this existing building that the city has financed and we're going to put eight one-bedroom units in. It's going to be workforce housing. Private developers heavily lean on this terminology when seeking neighborhood moral support or city financial support. But activists like Jen and longtime community members see this as nothing more than a thinly veiled excuse for actively displacing residents. No matter what happens, the new development, you either like destroy, devalue, or displace like whatever is currently there in the name of your new beautiful thing. And there are so many racist <laughs> undertones and overtones to that, that it is really hard to, and and some people will just, if you, if you even say that, people will dismiss you as being like dramatic, right? But like, come on, I mean, that's that's the reality. That's the reality, you can't build around, you can't build around black kids playing and it happens, it happens all the time. Basketball Norway. games are the first things to go, right? At this point, it seems fair and important to mention that we reached out to North Point and offered them a chance to speak. We did not receive any response. And with the removal of public spaces like basketball courts and the play on language that is mixed income, developers have created neighborhoods they can easily present on paper as inclusive and diverse. Jen says it's all smoke and mirrors. What's happened is we've gotten we've gotten an increasingly mixed economic population, but we've we've lost overall units. We've lost there are fewer units available now than there were in 2000, and we've lost the vast majority of those units at that lowest level. So that is like textbook how like how this all plays out. This essentially means lower-income people who are already in the neighborhood are in fact being displaced because there's simply less housing being offered in their price range, despite a more diverse pricing index. Or to put it simply, the Goonies of the world typically don't find their long-lost treasure under the current model. Stop. Stop. You can't do this. Why? Why? Because these are somebody else's wishes. 
They're somebody else's dreams. Yeah, but you know what? This one, this one right here. This was my dream, my wish. And it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. We want to thank Jen Ahrens of the Peasley Neighborhood Center for sitting down to talk with us. Next, we return to the courts that Jen, OTR residents, and the neighborhood kids are all fighting for as we continue with more stories from Bellwether. This land is your land. Our courts movement doesn't have much. There are no major businesses or angel funds that are likely to come along and donate to a campaign to fight North Point's preferred developer agreement. Literally all they have are their friends, their neighbors, and the thing that brought this story to the city's attention in the first place, basketball. We visited the courts to learn more about what the neighborhood is doing to create awareness of the situation. This brings us to act two of our show, A Place at the Table. Before we go on, though, just a quick warning. There is some graphic tape coming up very shortly in this piece. So if that bothers you or there are kids around, you may want to consider fast-forwarding about a minute or so. North Point's preferred developer agreement was set to renew at the end of July of this year. There hadn't been much noise from North Point or the Keep Our Courts movement since the release of their video back in April. In the immediate wake of the early July deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile at the hands of police officers, both of which were caught on tape, Cincinnati's chapter of the Black Lives Matter movement quickly mobilized. And the police just, he's, he's, he's covered. He ain't killed my boyfriend. He's licensed. He's Holding more frequent and visible public meetings, Black Lives Matter was able to publicize and draw a good crowd for an event at the courts, dubbed Hoop on Main. The event poster reads, quote, special event to stop gentrification of community basketball courts, end quote. Also worth noting, this had just happened two nights earlier. Uh, we are covering something of a national emergency that is unfolding in the city of Dallas, Texas tonight. We have had 11 police officers hit by gunfire. Sadly, four of them have died of their wounds. Tensions were understandably high at the event. They have consistently tried to erase us, but we stand here today and say that we will not be moved. We tell people that we will not be erased. We tell people that they will not continue their state violence against us. We know as Black Lives Matter, the state violence doesn't just happen when they murder us down in the streets in terms of Alton Starling, in terms of Philando Castile. We know that state violence is also pushing us out of our communities. But I was able to speak with a number of community members and activists and witness a positive grassroots event which worked to raise awareness for the cause. The event had a significant showing, two age group tournaments with dozens of participants and attendees. The idea of uh, starting a tournament really came up from me and another couple of people because we've done a lot of these tournaments not about basketball but soccer back in Italy and they're really a way to keep the whole community together. This is Mario. 
He and his fiance live just two blocks away from the courts. I'm from Italy, actually, so I'm not from the States, as you can hear from my accent. Hence his inspiration for the idea. He truly believes that awareness and visibility are the keys to fighting what he sees as a threat to their community. So we really, what we really hope to do is to try to get kids, older kids, families, supporters, white, blue, black, everybody together to show that these courts are, are so much more viable. Imagine, just imagine this beautiful day if instead of those courts there were just apartment buildings filled with professionals that the only thing they do is just wake up in the morning, go to work, make money, come back home, and that's it. This stereotypical expectation of North Point's development was not hard to find among Black Lives Matter activists and community members. Hoop on Main is an anti-racist, anti-gentrification basketball tournament. Jared has been involved in housing work in the neighborhood since 2010 and became deeply involved with the Black Lives Matter movement shortly after the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, back in 2014. He has strong opinions about what he believes the development plan truly means under the surface. There is a development plan being proposed that would demolish these courts and put high-rise condominiums, likely, or uh, houses, whatever it is, for mostly rich white people. Um, so we're here to say that these courts should stay, not because we say it, but because the neighborhood wants these courts to stay. But the community consists of more than recent immigrants and minority activists. And we found the same type of feelings and biases against North Point's actions among those their plan is said to serve. Over the last uh, year and a half since we've been here, my wife and I, we've seen kind of the, a, a similar movement to a lot of cities in our country of um, well, what most people would call gentrification. Ian Strickland is the pastor at Over the Rhine Community Church. There is a development, which is good, but it's only for a very specific group of people, a group of people that look a lot like me. It's probably safe to say by this he means young white men. And so um, in the last few years, I've kind of been waking up to the reality of if my life is benefiting at the cost of other people's lives, then that's not good for me. Um, it's actually really bad for me. And so this court has uh, kind of been one of the major points in that resistance, the, the fight against gentrification, or at least inequitable development, simply because basketball courts are uh, not only like a place for recreation, but a place for building really deep community. When asked what he thinks allies of the cause, who might also be beneficiaries of development projects like this, can do, he continued on. Learning is like step one. So um, finding some people who have been in this fight and in this struggle for years and decades and simply being able to uh, learn where the movement started and where it is today, because like what was going on in the 60s isn't just history, it's, it's, it's leading into what's happening right now. So I did exactly that. After a moving speech from Ms. Dorothy, I knew I needed to speak with her. She could be described as sort of the matriarch of this neighborhood. She spent the entire afternoon posted up just outside the gate of the courts, cheering for almost every single player by name, and followed up a few games with a scolding of younger players who got a little too heated on the court. I watched as they came to her before our interview, tail between their legs as she gently told them to cool down, which they followed up with a, sorry, Ms. Dorothy. Uh, my name is Dorothy Dorton, and my relationship to the court, I have lived in over the Rhine, west and east, for over 52 years. The North Port 
needs to really scratch the um, original thing that they had on the table because when you talk to three or four people out of a community and you think that you've covered the base and there are mass people here and you don't talk to the whole, there's room at the table for everyone. But when you talk to two or three who say they represent a people as a whole and they don't, then scratch the whole project and start go back to the beginning and then do it well. Speaking with Ms. Dorothy, I was quickly able to push all of the other tensions, history, and biases aside and get to the crux of why people in the community are so frustrated with the way the deal is going down. She's also one of the few people we were able to speak with who has managed to get any FaceTime with representatives of North Point. She believes she sees what's really in their hearts. When we were sitting in a meeting a month ago, the developer, the, the, the big man said, it's just a few trees. There's orchards in the back of there. When you see us like that, how are we supposed to feel good about that? How are we supposed to know that we can actually talk to you and you tell us, oh, I've never done uh, affordable housing and I don't plan to? Where's the trust in that? So wh what are we supposed to get out of this? Ms. Dorothy has seen deal after deal like this affect change on her neighborhood for decades, but she remains hopeful and kind-spirited through it all. This has been a fight. Every day being here has been a fight, you know, just to, just to say, okay, I deserve to be here, you know? I deserve to rent an apartment and have it affordable for me to be able to live. I deserve to be able to go to work. No, am I pulling down six figures? No, but I'm important. I'm important and I matter. And so do all my people here. They matter. We matter, you know? And if we could just break through the hysteria of having money and power and get to really being people, we could really break some ground and really get to a common place. But we got work to do and we got some ugliness we got to face in all our lives that's embedded in all of us, you know? Throughout our conversation, she kept referring to a place at the table. It reminds me of an anecdote I've heard used over and over again to explain why Black Lives Matter activists feel so strongly about their cause, about why it's important to say Black Lives Matter and not just All Lives Matter. I've even heard the famous conservative pundit Glenn Beck use it to explain the movement. It's why this community believes it's important that North Point work closer with them when planning redevelopment. It's as simple as this. If a bunch of people are sitting around a table eating pie and someone doesn't get any, that person speaks up, says, hey, can I have some pie too? The response from the table is, all diners matter, and they go right back to eating their pie. Our guy is still left out. And saying all diners matter feels reminiscent of an insistence upon terminology like mixed income or workforce housing in reference to developing on top of low-income residents who have been there for decades when you're really talking about something that's only affordable to very few. No one is saying wealthier folks don't matter or they're not welcome to the neighborhood. The community is simply asking that we leave some room and a piece of pie at the table for those who came before us, using whatever resources they have. For now, that means simply inviting people out to enjoy a few games of basketball. And so I'm just asking you all, I am so full just to see these babies out here enjoying doing what they do. We should have the right for no other reason. We don't have to have another reason. We got some trees, we got a court, we got people, we got a gathering. 
We have a community, and that's enough. And it has to be respected. So I'm just asking you all to continue, be for each other, continue to make those hard conversations. Y'all know we, we got to have some hard conversations. Y'all know our biases, y'all know how we feel. But it's time to tear the wall down, y'all, or those babies won't make it. One bright sunny morning, well in the shadow of the steeple, down by the welfare office, I, I saw my people, you know. This story was written and produced by me, Josh Elstro, with narration assistance, as you heard in the first act, and editing assistance from Layla Shakui. And now, a quick follow-up. Jen Ahrens of the Peasley Neighborhood Center sent us an email with the following information. She says, The Director of Economic Development spoke with Peasley Neighborhood Center Director Jen Summers on July 25th, the day North Point's preferred development agreement was to be renewed. He explained that North Point had expressed a desire to walk away from the preferred developer contract if they were going to be subjected to additional public input requirements. On July 29th, Keep Our Courts announced that this was indeed the case and that North Point's preferred developer contract had expired and there were no immediate plans for renewal. So, from the Keep Our Courts Facebook page, we have the following. Quote, This is a victory in what will continue to be a long struggle and is the outcome of over a year's worth of hard work. There's much more to be done. We must ensure that our neighbors in the community are directly involved and lead the shaping of the future of this land. End quote. Or, in other words... We don't have to leave the goondocks! There'll be no more signing today or ever again! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bellwether. We have just launched our website, which is bellwethershow.org. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, by just searching Bellwether or Bellwether Podcast or Bellwether Show. Uh, Those are definitely worth checking out. There's ways you can get involved in the show, communicate with us. And uh, also, particular to this episode, we should have some additional interview pieces and speeches from the folks at the basketball tournament because they had a lot of great stuff to say that I think is worth hearing and you should really check out. And on whatever service you're using to download these episodes, please, uh, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, go uh, subscribe, rate, review, and above all else, continue to lead by listening. is created and produced by Josh Elstro and Layla Shakui. Josh is the technical guru and Bellwether is his brainchild. Layla is a freelance journalist and Josh's creative sidekick. Together, they tell stories that lead. So take a listen and let's see where we go.